Okay, I have one big problem with this episode. Hopefully, mm. you can you can answer for me. Why, I think it might be the same problem I have with this episode. Why do why, why do a crew of non corporeal wisps have a ship? Yeah, good question. <laughs> and like, not even like a small ship, a huge, ship. or not even like a ship that matches their design, physical yeah, design and density. <laughs> They've got a gigantic. Ship Independence eating ship. Day sized ship eating metal ship. Yeah. I um, like their ship. It just doesn't make it. It only occurred to me halfway through it, probably because you don't see the wisps. Uh, the wisps. Wisps. I'll be like, read this. Wisps. Wisps. That's a good word. Um, mm-hmm. You don't see them until about halfway through. And I guess maybe before that, there's a little bit in my head where it's like, maybe they're prisoners or something on this ship. Like, the, there's no reason to believe that the little non corporeal guys are going to be in control of stuff. But. Right. Really strange that they have a ship that no one no one questions that about. And I think they say that they're from another dimension, which questions how sure. did the ship get here in the first place? Um, when did they capture it? That's the big problem I have with this episode. But I guess we'll get deeper into it as we uh, we take a break. We're going to play a clip from this episode, which is called The Crossing, and then we're going to come back and break it down. Have you ever tried this? It's called bread. You've never eaten it before? I've never eaten anything before. Where's Commander Tucker? I'm here. Charles Tucker III. Where's the man who used to be Charles Tucker? He's exploring another realm. My realm. But he'll be back. So, The Crossing is the 18th episode of the second season of Star Trek Enterprise. It came out on April 2nd. Oh, uh, we're still in season two. I 100% thought we were in season three. Holy crap. Last third of season two. Ugh, April okay. 2nd, 2003. <laughs> Teleplay goes to Rick Byrne and Brandon Braga. Story credit goes to Rick Byrne and Brandon Braga and Andre Bormanis. Directed by David Livingston. In universe dates, uh, specifically, is unknown. It's 2152. In this episode... Enterprise is captured by a ship of non-corporeal beings who wish to trade consciousness with the crew's bodies, but these wisps may not plan on giving the bodies back. I really like this one for the first two-thirds of it. Um, I thought this was a good callback to the sort of strange, creepy Enterprise stuff of the first season Mm. where they're running into strange stuff and everything's weird. I like the creepy shots like... um, where they're in Archer and T'Pol are in the, the secondary bridge, which they have kept in the the warp nacelles, and Trip is in the background, just sort of standing there staring right, at right, them. Yeah. I like stuff like yeah. that when Enterprise does it. Uh, there's a certain point where it all kind of falls apart, and it's probably when they reveal what's going on. And I liked everything. I liked the mystery of everything up until that point, I thought, where there was this real... There was potential for this all to be a misunderstanding that the aliens actually had mm. no bad intentions for them and it was just kind of a strange should we or should we as Archer being overly um, averse to them just because he doesn't understand them or something like mm. that. But then they they turned it into a stock. The aliens are trying to hijack the ship and we need to shoot them and have a fist fight and then get out of it towards the end. And that's when it loses me. Yeah, I mean... I think the biggest problem with it is that the resolution is they blow the ship up and kill everybody. <laughs> like, and it cuts to black right after that. It's the end. It's yeah. just they shoot the ship and they fly off, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, they kill yeah, them all. You would, you would think the Star Trek ending to this would be to have Archer recognize that though it's though it's not a misunderstanding, there they are a group of, for lack of a better term people or beings creatures yeah they're beings who, creatures who are in trouble and who are in danger of dying and so let me maybe speed that process up for you motherfuckers <laughs> yeah so maybe enterprise uh helps facilitate a different answer or something or do a captain's log where they've contacted starfleet or some shit i don't yep. know um although i guess they're the only people Starfleet people that far out, but you can call the Vulcans. They get fashion. they find a planet of of meat sack bodies that are looking for wispy consciousness to take them over, and they they introduce yeah, each other to even, them. You don't even have to actively do that. You could just imply that that yeah. maybe is what the next step is or something. Um, yeah, it, that's it's weird that they go with let's blow the ship up um, because ultimately. Ultimately, yeah, if they had a conversation, I think they'd be able to clear this up maybe a little bit easier than um, just deciding uh, I, we know we know you're trying to save 
your entire ship, but we're just going to kill all of you instead. It's um, did you like the opening section? I did. Uh, I I thought yeah. Until they they show that the um, that the the creatures are the crew, for lack of a better term. I thought maybe they were just sensors or something, you know, an advanced uh, uh, sensor system. Sure. Which, but once they're like, yeah, these are the actual beings, then I'm like, oh, what the hell are they flying a giant ship for? Or why aren't they flying a ship that looks like a giant jellyfish or something that matches right. their design a little bit better? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I did. I, I liked, I actually really liked the first interaction they have with uh, Possessed Trip where the the wisp guy inside kind of lays out what's going on in this Are you talking idea. about the space ship scene, or are you talking about when he's eating all the food scene? Uh, the the first time that they really get a chance to, like, talk. talk I can't remember him. which scene I think which it's the food, it the food scene when he, he's yeah. on the Enterprise, and they, they come in and talk to him, and he's eating all the food. Yeah, yeah they, they, they kind of... Uh, they, they give this pitch essentially that what they're offering is is true exploration and to uh an experience and stuff which is really cool it's kind of lovecrafty a little bit there's a cool lovecraft story where uh this guy keeps waking up in the body of an alien that's like millions of years millions of light years away etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah um it's kind of a it's a cool idea that they're playing with this this breakdown of what dimensional travel is and means and what it can look like and all that kind of stuff but yeah then it kind of just devolves into i even liked the uh creepy read stuff even though yeah. creepy read is fairly indistinguishable from regular read yeah but um <laughs> i could see i i could see what scenes had uh mr berman's fingerprints all over <laughs> this one i think <laughs> you are female um yeah he's brandon what if what if she's what if she goes she goes into into Paul's room and she's lit in her pajamas but you know like not sleeping pajamas TV show pajamas <laughs> they're really short and she's still got her bra on Yeah he's um and I liked that in general I like Do you that think turn. do you think Berman had that exact conversation with a woman in an elevator once and that's probably just was- wrote into this. I'm sorry I don't mean to make <laughs> He thought it went really I don't mean well for my I don't mean for my uh, my parody of Rick Berman to imply that he's some sort of sexual predator. <laughs> I I would like to I would like to put that down that I'm just joking. I have no impli- I'm not trying to imply that at all. Any any uh, what's the thing they put at the front of a disclaimer of a movie? Any any uh, similarities to actual events or people yes, is entirely yes. fiction is entirely a my favorite one is on dvds where the first thing that pops up is uh views in interviews and commentaries do not uh are not the beliefs held by the studio yeah, or something like that the, it's like the oh the studio. we're gonna get some good stuff on this commentary some truth um i also like the read stuff because i what i like about that uh kind of thing is that there's a at that point, the aliens haven't revealed that it's a hostile takeover plot, and it's just the fact that they are being taken over and their curiosity is leading to undesirable outcomes for people, mm, which I think is right. kind of neat and is a better, more interesting way to explore it. It's maybe maybe a little bit uh, redundant, and I feel the Enterprise has done that a lot, but it certainly fits the Enterprise mold of stuff that's going to go on. And I like the idea of... Um, for how little they actually get into it, they talk a lot about what Trip is doing in this journey, mm. which is going to different places and like actually living in the past for a short time. Uh, it's kind of remarkable that you don't see any of that stuff like that. I'm actually glad that they don't show it. To yeah, you, I am too. But I, th- I thought it was um, surprising, or that it, mm. it was a it was an interesting technique to not show you anything that was going on with them. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think when you start. Sh- I think it's a point of view thing more than anything else where if you start showing what Trip is doing and, and where he's being sent to, he now becomes sort of the focal point of the story, Yeah, which he is not. And also, I think showing what he's doing in this instance, much like a, a Lovecraft story, will diminish the effectiveness of what they are, the the idea that they're trying to get across because they're talking about essentially like 
living, existing in multiple time points and multiple points in the universe, not not dreaming, actually existing yeah. at one time, which is not something that you could visualize. You could barely do it now. Right. It took it took an entire episode of TV on Watchmen to do it in 2020 or 2019. I don't think they'd be able to do it pretty very effectively on Enterprise on UPN in 2002 or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so... Just explaining it keeps a little bit of mystery and a little bit of exoticism to what the actual thing that's happening is, and you can't totally relate to it, which is, I think, the best way to go with it. Yeah, certainly for this story where it's not the focus of what he's doing, it's just supposed to be the um, incredibleness of it, the the sort of strangeness and the experience that he's willing to do it again, and he's willing to go back, and it's kind of the lure that these creatures are using to get the Enterprise crew to trust them. Um, and do you really need to waste like two minutes showing Trip confused at a barbecue in right. Florida or yeah. something? Come on, come on, you got better stuff to do. Like a November in Florida, <laughs> the ideal temperature, whatever eighteen degrees Celsius is. Um, yeah i i did I did enjoy this one in the early goings. I, th- I think this is a really well-directed episode. Uh, first of all, like I, I like some of the shots that they never seem to do again. And a lot of the, uh, the camera motion and stuff like that. There's a shot of to Paul climbing a ladder that was really unique. And I'd never seen on the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I've been trying to get that shot for years, Wes. <laughs> we need the reverse. We need to get this top <laughs> shot. We need the reverse. We got to get full coverage of this one, guys. <laughs> My, um, if my wife actually was uh, watching this with me, and she, the Tapal scene, she Amy even had to remark. She's like, she's like, that actress is incredibly good looking, and it's just like I know <laughs> the show is not embarrassed to show you that she is incredibly good looking in her midriff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those wear. pajamas were <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> um, the, I don't, it, it's really just the the switch over. In the second half, I find pretty unsatisfying. Uh, mm-hmm. For the aliens are interesting in that it's a body snatches plot where it's incredibly obvious who's been body snatched by the aliens. Right, right. The aliens are um, a lot of the alien wisps seem to be just idiots. They're like, I don't know how to do that. I can't. They're not even really pretending that they want to hijack the ship, which is mm. probably not right for the plot, right? Because these aliens know. know what they're trying to do. So they should be a better job of disguising themselves. My favorite is um, when <laughs> it, sh- it looks bad on everybody. When Mayweather's in the catwalk and he's looking for Trip at the end and he finds him and he's like, Commander, where, where do you need to go? And Trip starts walking away from him and then starts breaking into a run. And Mayweather is like, Commander, Commander. And then he punches him and Mayweather yeah. still goes, what's wrong with you, Commander? <laughs> yeah, at that point, I think everybody should know what's going on. What's, but yeah, it's... It's it's one of those things where if you if you think out exactly what's going on, it doesn't really solve their problem because if if all of the Wisp aliens are ignorant to the way that Enterprise works, it's like hijacking a plane and not knowing how to fly it or land. Well, right. I guess it depends on what your end goal is, but let's say you're trying to hijack a plane to land somewhere safely and continue your life. But you hijack the plane, but you don't know how the plane works or how to fly the plane or, or land the plane. Right. You're kind of in the same boat that you were before. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's it's some of those things. The, obvi- the obvious it, plot is that, I mean, it's also, it's, a, it's another kind of pl- strange plot decision where the alien wisps only come in like one at a time for some reason. There's not this mass right. seizure yeah. of the crew who then holds Mayweather hostage because he knows how to fly the ship and they're like, you need, yeah. to, you need to do this for us. I would like to see that scene where he's like very tensely at the board when he's just got like a bunch of yeah, the ghost things <laughs> floating around his head. One of them's got like a knife. It's like just... slapping him in the back of the head. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, the plot I, think, I want. I think I think this one has just general. I know it's cliche to say third act problems, but it it feels like a, a a first draft of a third act kind of because you've got the solution to both problems is essentially killing everybody. You've got well, okay, we the way the only way we can get these things out of well, first of all, uh, they say they can't survive in space. But they flew they from their ship space, yeah. to Enterprise, and when they leave, so they I go. They, they just, go out the window. Yeah, yeah. They just hold their breath, I guess. Yep. Um, 
They also but, can't. They also, just can't go through the the door of the catwalk for whatever yeah. reason. It's there's yeah. a lot of magical like they just can't do this kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, some made up tungsten. They, they, yeah, they they, they shielded it with the the one thing that they can't get through or whatever. Yeah, uh, but then the the Flox's solution is well, if we kill everybody for a few seconds, that should drive them out. All right, so then they gas the entire ship and just murder twenty four people in hopes that they can bring them back very quickly, which they yep. managed to do. And then after that, they decide to blow up the ship. So it's all it all feels very like first drafty how do we get through this and they didn't really have time to go back and go like oh is this the best solution to just kill people and blow stuff up that's, and then that's, you know bring people back from the dead that's true i guess i would i would say that even more outside of the i don't disagree that like the outrageousness of their decision making towards the end is bad i think it's also a bigger problem of the the reveal of the alien true motivations at the end undermines everything the aliens had been doing to that point. So everything right. that I liked about it before, which is that the aliens seem kind of like wishy-washy and more interested in experimentation, so they're only coming over one at a time and taking one crew member to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. That implies mm-hmm. a lack of hostility that is then undermined right. by T'Pol learning that, oh, they, they want to hijack us. And here now that now that I know that, they're all coming over to come and, ta- and take over the ship. And it's there's no... It just seems like you had a good idea that you weren't exactly sure of what you wanted that plot to be about. And then in your third act, you're like, well, we have to solve this. So we'll just have the aliens be bad guys. And then that it doesn't, you don't go back and correct the early parts of the script that imply there is no problem. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not similar to Discovery. It's, it's a problem like some, a show like Discovery would have is that the reveal of the solution is not consistent with what was coming before it. So it's extremely Mm -hmm. silly when it, when it comes around. And, yeah. For whatever reason, I um, I don't hold it strongly against this episode, which I generally think is okay with it, mm. even though it has a lot of problems. But it, it held my attention fairly well, and I, I like the early goings, and I like the um, I I like the design of that ship, even though it's stupid that these aliens have that. I like the fact that it's another ship that eats a ship and like takes mm-hmm. it inside and stuff like that. It makes no sense with what these wisp creatures are supposed to be doing, but um. Flox's rescue at the end um, is wasn't Flox's helmet broken at the end there? Oh, I was noticing lots of scenes where Flox's helmet was knocked off his head, and he wasn't reacting to it in a way. I thought, can he can he breathe? Why is he wearing the suit if that's the case? He was his helmet was just open while he was setting everything up. And yep. then I think it was a matter of closing it after he turned the gas on, but trip hit him and knocked him was. back and it knocked it open again. And he never reacted to it. I just, it seems, no, I don't know. just seems strange. The other funny sure. thing about flocks is when he's, um, he's counting the doors and he, the numbers like huge. They're on the door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I, I personally, I, uh, identified with flocks quite a bit in that scene because it reminded me of every time i have to restart my my uh, furnace's pilot light right and i have to Follow go down i gotta take the panel off and i gotta turn it around and there's all the steps it's like make sure your gas is off turn it clockwise and press down like okay i gotta make sure i do that three like it's now pump the thing three times then yep. light it and put it back on if that doesn't work leave the house that's my um we bought a i bought a new leaf blower this year and uh, I was starting it, and I was like, "It's like I know how to start an engine, uh, but it's like mm-hmm. I'll look at the instructions to see if there's anything crazy about new 2020 leaf blowers that do anything." And it tells you the usual stuff. It's like put the choke into whatever, it choke into open, and then like prime it and start it. And so I'm doing it, and it's just like it's never working. And I'm just, and they're like, "Close the thing and see if it does." And it's like it's never, never working. And um, then it's just like, "Well, I'll try it with the choke closed, contrary to the op- to what this thing is saying." And it starts on the first pull. You know, so it's it's this it's this strange thing of following um, the directions, even though it doesn't seem particularly necessary. Flox is um, I I liked what they were doing with Flox, which is that he mm-hmm. is the person who has no idea what he's supposed to be doing down there, but he has to be the one that can go because he can't be taken over by the creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love little strange moments where. Uh, He's like, all right, I took the panel off. What do I do with it? And Archie's like, put it on the, put it on the ground. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I like I like stuff like that. I don't think they went into it hard enough to show that mm. what like a 
it, it almost comes across as just a strange bit of dialogue and they don't really hammer the point that Flox is unable to do this because he's the least qualified person. And yeah. even in the end, what he has to do is very simple. It's like spin the little, the spin open the valve and then turn the thing. And it's so simple that Trip, while possessed by an alien who doesn't know how the Enterprise works, manages to do it to shut without it. even asking how to do it. <laughs> to shut it. I wish I wish there had been more about that, about Flocks being out of his element down there mm. and that being the kind of thing uh, that was like holding him back. They, they do it, but it's a very light focus on it. Yeah, I agree. And also, I couldn't figure out why they didn't send to Paul to do it because they already established that she can mentally fight these things off anyway. She can, um, although she gets zombified for a little bit. Flox just seems to be able to shrug it off and nothing happens yeah, to her. Yeah, I mean, you could hand wave that and be like, well, you know, now she's got wisp immunity because right. she got the wisp vaccine or some shit. She had to hold um, it in to learn what their plot was, but she can just block them whenever she wants at right, that point. Right, sure, why not? Uh, but yeah, I, I did like that they used, I did like that they used flocks and, and I, uh, I agree. I, I wish they had leaned into that out of element stuff for him a little bit more. Cause they never really do that with him that much. No. Um, he's good at it too. I like the actor's portrayal. Yeah. He's like, I don't know. He's, he's got his still happy go lucky. He's like, whatever you say, Captain Archer, I'll put this here. I'll spin this thing, do this. Uh, there was, there was some oddly sexual dialogue in this. Maybe I'm just watching too much big mouth, mm. but, uh. In that sequence, <laughs> Archer's like, okay, now you got to get two fingers right out through the <laughs> opening at the top. You got to two fingers. <laughs> you're going to feel yeah, a small and then bump. You just got to, yeah, you got to reach to the forefront and just tap it with your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Jesus, Archer. <laughs> and then before that, earlier in the episode, Reed's talking, Reed's talking to Trip, and he's like, I saw, I saw you. I was there when you penetrated Trip. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's very. I was um, it's super sexual. I was just, it's a uh, when he's having flocks like stick his fingers into that thing. What a poorly designed ship where this is the way to <laughs> pop the panel off is like so counterintuitive to just get the thing open. It's just like, wow, yeah. you guys need to you need to put the uh, bring the IKEA manual of design into this uh, ship a little bit and make this a little bit easier to access. It's like having to reach your hand through the crack of the door to slide the chain thing off right. to get yeah. through a locked door. <laughs> the least uh, secure of the locking mechanisms. I also would have liked um, uh, if there was more of the flocks being pursued while he was in the ship by these wisp mm-hmm. aliens. I kind of I would have been fine with that too. I, I really liked the shot of. Trip just standing there in the background as mm. they are. They, it's, it's always an effective horror shot to just do that to have someone uh, there. They don't do the the usual thing, which is that when the camera looks back, he's gone, or it's like you know, it's a quick thing where the right, camera's off right. and then it comes back and he's suddenly just standing there to to give the extra startle to it. But I wish there was more of that stuff because I think this series does horror suspense well, const- like consistently. It's it's always good at it. Yeah. It's it's also strange to me that the, well I guess they're all locked up but there's no coordination with any of these these creatures it's not like they are they three of them are working together or something like that but uh why did yeah, the wisps wish- stay in the bodies when they're locked into their rooms why don't they just leave and go to another person yeah i don't know good question again <laughs> take another pass at the draft and maybe we'll figure this stuff out <clears throat> yeah they could have they could have done some cool uh uh kind of horror tracking stuff with with flocks and uh and and trip if trips tracking them down or whatnot i like his sequence with hoshi where she pretended to yeah. break her leg and he's he's yeah. like what the fuck is wrong with you it ends up exactly what you want but i i thought it was directed well where there's a, like a real tension between it i would have i would have shot her i think first i mean like he's a little stunned right. for you and then I'll, I'll see what's happening with your leg but he uh, yeah, he goes into uh, it well what's the it's the thing from kiss kiss bang bang where they say and talk about how in movies it's so dumb that people just put guns up to the back of the person because you can very easily turn around and disarm them. Right. You have a gun, shoot them from far away so right. they can't touch your gun. Get a little and distance. Yeah, he may, he's got, he keeps his gun, but he then walks very close to her and she you know can grab him and stuff. But he has the hypodermic Mickey on yep. him. So. <laughs> With the, uh, the clear stunt double for the kicks to his stomach where there's no headshot of flocks. It's just a, a different looking guy in the, in the flocks costume. There was, kicks on the stomach. I, 
there, there was a during that fight. I swear to God, she kicked him in the crotch fifteen <laughs> times to the point where I thought they were trying to make a joke or a point out of it, like that's not where his balls are or something, because they just kept showing. I, is it? Uh, I can't remember if it's Naked Gun or maybe Hot Shots or something where there's a scene where the guy punches him in the balls and then he starts like speed bagging yeah. the guy's balls. That's all I could think of because she just kept whacking him right in the crotch, like with both feet, just bicycle kicking him in the nuts. He took a well. He had to give her the shot. I um, I did like that kind of stuff. Uh, were you... We're happy to see the catwalk still exists and that they still have a secondary bridge at the catwalk, which is fascinating. Brandon, I, I, put, I, I spent so much money on that catwalk set. <laughs> Can we use it again, please? Because uh, they're going to take my house. He, they, they, they reuse the set. They bring it back. Makes Rick very happy about it. It's... um. I don't mind that area for whatever reason. Like, I, I didn't feel it was strange to go back there. It does make sense. It's a little weird that the aliens can't get into it uh, for some mm-hmm. reason, but they have to fight back against them somehow. That's the um, that's kind of the strange script decision, is that normally in another version of this episode, uh, the non-humans who are just flocks into Paul would be immune, totally immune, and they'd be the mm-hmm. only characters who are able to they don't need this techno babble solution of they can't go through the lead apron that's around right. this engine. Uh, but I guess at that point you'd run into that's more of what I was thinking for Flocks, which is them trying to stay undercover uh, from these aliens for the rest of the, the the time of the episode that they need to accomplish their goal or whatever. Um, yeah, it it may. I think it's fine. I think it makes sense. The uh, uh, it's <laughs> it is an interesting set to go back to. I this idea that you can you can house the entire crew inside the warp nacelles is, is interesting. I just never, I guess I, I never thought of them as having uh, move aroundable space. Yeah. So much. Um, they don't, yeah, they don't have you, a, um, could, oh, sorry. They don't have a secondary bridge at this point. So they, they don't really have mm. a place they can go to that is secure outside of the main bridge and this thing so this is this is almost kind of serving as the second bridge that most of the other right. ships would have yeah i think it works fine it, it feels a little bit strange but uh it serves its purpose it does fine. Yeah. yeah uh anything else to talk about with this one uh i didn't really i don't i don't think i have much else to say about it the, you talked about the ship talked about these aliens talked about trip Mayweather got yeah, punched. That's pretty much all I got. That's, that's pretty much all I got. We'll call it a day there. It'll be a little bit of a shorter episode. We do have a few, couple comments. So we'll take a break, play a clip from the episode. We'll come back, read some patron thoughts, and give our final thoughts about The Crossing. What's going on, Doc? Just breathe deeply. You'll be fine. I was just at a barbecue. In through the nose, out through the mouth. I've never seen so many ribs. Follow me, Commander. We have a lot of doors to unlock. Thank you very much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the show today. If you enjoyed it and you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file and you can give a couple dollars a month to get extra podcasts, ability to vote on polls about what we cover. You get the commentary tracks for some of the Star Trek episodes. You get the ability to join the special Discord captain room where... Um, I do Star Trek watches with people. We'll send up like an Amazon watch party and watch Star Trek. Clay's doing a, uh, you're doing, well, you, the people are going to be too late for this one, but you, you've been doing the uh, movie watches for the Rotten Horror Picture Show and things like that. Mm-hmm. Patreon.com slash the Penske file. And as always, our captain tier supporters get a special thank you. Special thank you goes to Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Andrew Cherlog, Cardinal Doomsday, Nathan Elliott, Samuel Custer, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergi, Grim Santo, Sean, Christian Pouch, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Chris Tinsley, Darth Moss, Kevin Reyes, Vol- uh, Jordan Cooper, Vault 13 Hero, Rune Vendler, HH28, Stephen Minton, Nick the Rat, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jacob123, Point Extra G, Groppler, John Zorn, Eric Sanchuan, Kevin Lowry, Captain Brazen, Jakey's Gamer, Patrick Seba, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, and Dave Davies. Thank you very much for supporting the show, guys. Dave Davies from the Kinks? It might be. Yeah. It might be. Well, it's either, a, it's I mean, either, <laughs> it's either a pseudonym or he's been impregnated by a wasp, a wisp, a wasp, whatever. Yeah. Hopefully Ray Davies doesn't join the Patreon and then they have a fight over who gets to stay. I know. Or the Beach Boys controversy about who we're allowed to uh, support politically because the Beach Boys are apparently not the Beach Boys anymore. 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> what is it? Mike I think Love? It's, I think Mike it's pretty Love clear is like the who the bad the guy Boys. is in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine the shamelessness of being Mike Love at this point. It's like you, no one would know you. It's like it's ever, it's dependent on everyone else in that band, but you're just like, I'm the Beach Boys. <laughs> I. I, you know, that stuff does fascinate me. Every now and then you come across like a really interesting story of band branding Yeah, issues. band ownership. Like who owns yeah. the rights to the band? And it's like Axel will own it and the other, like the rest of the band can't call themselves Guns N' Roses, but Axel Rose yeah. with a bunch of douchebags can call himself Guns N' Roses. It's yeah. Weird. Like, uh, did you know there were two versions of Yes touring at the same time? Oh, really? In the 80s? Yes yeah. and. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes and yes and <laughs> no it was uh because like the 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 lead singer had left and i think maybe like the guitar player or the bass player left or something like that but but they there was each one of each one of the two of the original members claimed ownership over the band and so they split off so one of them was touring as yes and the other one was touring as yes featuring john anderson i yeah. think yeah and it's like they're they're putting out albums as yes with two different versions of the same band, and I mean it happened with uh, Creed's Clearwater Revival. Well, I guess that's different because they weren't touring at the same time. But mm. uh, like Fogarty owned the name, so in order f- to keep touring, the rest of the band had to tour as Cle- Creedence Clearwater Revisited. I think yeah, <laughs> remastered. Yeah, I know. I just came across one recently where I guess uh, they they tried to do a. Um, the doors got back together and John Densmore, the drummer didn't want to do it because he didn't think it was, he didn't think it was really appropriate to do without Jim Morrison, but he also stopped them from doing it without him. So they had to, uh, Robbie Krieger and, and, uh, Raymond Zarek had to come up with some weird, like the doors featuring Robbie Krieger and sure. Raymond Zarek or like the new doors or some shit like that in yeah. order to sidestep this thing, but they still got sued. And it's like when there's big money, I guess it's understandable, but I've, I've, I've never totally understood stopping someone from making money on the thing that they're a part of, you know, like you, you tell them you, you, can't you wouldn't want the rest, you, mean you don't want the rest of, of your band touring at that point. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't know. Like if you if you are if you're in the band and you don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. Why do you break why do you have to stop the other people from doing it? Like the band. Right. The band stopped touring cuz Robbie Robertson didn't feel like doing it anymore. Right. Everybody else wanted to do it still, but he didn't feel like doing it so they had to quit. Correct. And same with the like, jam with the same thing. It was just the one guy yeah. made the decision to unplug and it cut off everything at that point. So yeah, I, it's it. It always surprises me when when it's one one person who's standing in the way of the rest of their bandmates making money. It's usually the person who has the most money, right? I, but I, I mean, you would just consider it a an additional revenue stream, right? Be like contractually sure. contractually yeah. insert yourself and be like, you guys can do whatever you want, and I want some percentage of it because you're using the band name that I was a part yeah. of. And would anyone have a problem with that? Maybe it's more complicated than that, but it's I think it's just a I assume it's got to be a pride thing about like I am this brand and without it sure, like you you sure. aren't you're just you're just the drummer and the basis of so fuck yourselves. Well, you know, in in certain in certain instances I can see that. Yeah. Like if 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 the other guys in White Snake wanted to start touring without David Coverdale, I don't really think that works because mm-hmm. David Coverdale is White Snake. That's yep. he's the whole band. Yeah. Everybody else changes in that band but him. But like there are certain bands where it's like, yeah, you know, if one guy doesn't feel like doing it anymore, why stop anybody else from having a good time? Right. Like Guns N' Roses. I mean, that's obviously there's a lot more animosity built in there. But uh, if you've got three-fourths of Guns N' Roses who still want to tour, but Axel doesn't want to do it anymore, who gives a shit? Right. You know? yeah. uh, um, I, but I'm also – I'm shocked that – Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley still tore as Kiss mm-hmm. because if I was Gene Simmons, knowing the way that he likes to make money on stuff in perpetuity, I would have quit years ago <laughs> and just put out the official <laughs> Kiss touring band all in the makeup, doing the same show, 
but I don't have to do anything. Right. I just stay home and I collect my check while Kiss tours the world. Like they do, the Temptations still exist. They're on like their third generation of people in the town. I think they just said, I just saw a thing. I know I'm going on a huge tangent right now, but I saw a thing where it said like a member of the Temptations had just passed away. And it's like he was the singer in the Temptations from 1980 to 1995. And it's like, okay, so that's like generation two already. Right. We're into of people from this band who are dying now. But, uh, but I'm surprised. I was assuming Kiss was going to be the first band to have a secondary band using their brand before everybody in the band had died. <laughs> Unfortunately, not the case, I don't think. I guess mm. Gene Simmons still has some musical ideas that he would like to express uh, in, in the world. And Great. <laughs> awesome. Really looking forward to your next two-note bass line, Gene. Patron comments for The Crossing. If you're, a con- if you're a patron at the $5 and up level, you can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes or read them. Matt Ross says, so what does it take for Archer to declare a tactical alert? Obviously not being followed menacingly by another ship for more than five times their size. I guess they also figured to keep the auxiliary control and beds in the catwalk. To Paul's belief that the aliens are non-hostile comes across as naive, and for once, Boy Scout Archer is more suspicious, but only after messing up. And finally, there was someone's ass the Enterprise can beat, but geez, what a long slog. One torpedo out of five. Wow. Yeah, it's um, I didn't really comment on the Archer and T'Pol thing because it feels like this is they've done that so many times that I don't really need to comment on it. But um, it is, I guess it's worth bringing up just that like Archer was right here. Archer tends to be right about things like that, and um, T'Pol was wrong. It, it's maybe just a little bit strange that they have the scene where they explain that because then they just go and upset the apple cart at the end of it and it's all for naught and it doesn't mean that means that that conversation was not really about anything but they've done it enough i don't think i have much to add that that's just the case of how these two talk to each other to paul and uh, archer mm-hmm. next comment is latte librarian i'm not buying the super tight crop top as vulcan pajamas kind of surprised archer didn't volunteer tucker to fix the alien ship Seems like they destroyed it a little too easily. Also, how creepy is Reed on a regular basis with that woman in the turbo lift if she didn't think that something was up? Three wispy aliens <laughs> out of five. Yeah, there's a, there is there is a, a decent amount of implied um, workplace sexual harassment mm-hmm. going on, like a very 90s era version of it where it's like, just give them a stern look and walk away and you don't need to report anything happened. Yeah, it's it fairly effective when he walks past the first woman and he kind of like, he gives a very like over the top like evil leer back at her or whatever. But uh, I, if anything, I think that's what this episode was missing. It was just kind of that creepiness of like some of the body snatched are mm. strange or something like that. Um, even if you see it from their point of view, it's just an interesting way to go about it. There, you know, I think you could push it in a really dark way if you wanted to. Like the discovery version of this, if you have that latitude, would be to do something like. Uh, uh, again, to 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 make a Lovecraft reference, one of one of the more interesting parts of At the Mountains of Madness is when they, after they revive one of these old creatures, um, there's a scene where the old creature captures a human and then proceeds to dissect them mm-hmm. because they don't know what they are or how they work. Yep, and so you've got this like creepy like vegetable based squid monster thing <laughs> leaning over this human body that he's torn open trying to figure out how the viscera works yep. it's like that kind of thing would have been kind of cool where if it's like the they don't know how humans work so they're trying to get a sense about how everything is going on here and maybe they have to cut one open or two yeah yeah it's it's that's real dark it but, is real know. dark but it, I, I think it it kind of works and it's a uh, like we've knocked the Enterprise set before, but I think the Enterprise set actually works for these storylines. It is not very friendly and kind of um, frightening, even without sort of being intentionally frightening. It's just, it's just so bare bones that there's something kind mm. of terrifying about it. Grappler John Zorn says, The Crossing, my suggestions for the writer's room. Instead of one, instead of saying there's nothing wrong with you, Flox would just long phase of the shit out of Hoshi, maybe with one last burst just to be sure. Two, I'd like to know more about Reed's experience on the other side. Hmm? Three, come to think of it, Flox should say, say my name way the fuck more often. Four, we'd get to see Ensign Turbo lift again, and she wouldn't have believed for an instant Reed's flimsy story about being possessed by oversexed aliens. I liked it, especially the first three acts. Three Randy non-corporeal entities out of five. 
I'd like to apologize for my actions in the elevator. I, I just had finished a can of pineapple, and I don't know what came over me. <laughs> that was extremely, extremely randy. I would also like to say that uh, I have never seen a latte librarian written out, except I realized that was on the Discord, because mm-hmm. there was a name on the Discord that I kept seeing out of the corner of my eye on the list that <laughs> my brain was interpreting as a lot of Brian. <laughs> and then I finally looked at it. I was like, ah, latte yes. librarian. Maybe I'm mispronouncing it. Sense. Maybe it is no, a lot I think of Brian. You're right. Yeah. Kyle Barrett says, after Starfleet trying to make first contact with so many aliens and being met with hostility, it's neat to have the inverse of that story, if only for ten, the first 10 minutes. I wish the non-corporeal beings were indeed harmless and curious explorers so the episode could focus on Archer overcoming his xenophobia rather than justify it. How very 2002. It could have been something we hadn't seen before and an idea that would fit the prequel nature of Enterprise perfectly instead of just another nefarious non-corporeal possession episode with rapey aliens. Archie being proved right makes him extra insufferable, although I like the episode building trust between him and T'Pol. It's decent and enjoyable, but I felt it could have been much better with a change in direction. Three out of five. You know, it's weird, though, because I don't really see it as an episode about Archie's xenophobia. I think the only thing that really... He just has that one scene where he's suspicious of them. Yeah, and the only thing that really cements that is the fact that he blows the ship up, and it's like, oh, okay. But it's not, it's not really like his xenophobic reaction to these creatures is the linchpin of his part of the story or anything. It's not really about that. No, I, um, I think what, I guess I think what Kyle would be saying, or and that I would kind of agree with, is that like if the aliens were non-hostile intending, mm-hmm. Archer's reaction to them is a is a learning experience for him sure i guess like there's there's that kind of like i I think you'd still need the aliens to have some kind of unintentional bad uh impact on the crew but it wouldn't through be through hostile intentions which is what archer seems to think from the get-go here is i don't Mm. believe what these aliens are telling me sure sure Nick the Rat, final comment, says the crossing. Best part to Paul showing off some midriff. Worst part, Dr. Flox has to point and count the lockers, even though the numbers are visible and huge on each one. A decent body snatcher story with a cool explosion and a very abrupt ending. A low three out of five. Thank you, patrons, for your comments. Not a lot of crossing comments on that one, but a few. Thank you very much. I would like the the one, the weirdest thing about that scene with Reed and to Paul, and I'm only saying weird because what she's wearing is so it's like meant to be demure but it's also very distracting because mm-hmm. it's like it's a midriff showing thing all the points are way up high as bob seeger would say mm-hmm. uh and it's like a very silky kind of set of pajamas yeah when everybody and all those other four guys come in they don't even look at her Right, And I'm like, that must have taken a long time to get that scene right. Because if you open the door and you're presented with that, you're going to at least like clock it before you focus on the weird English guy who's freaking out. <laughs> Jolene, Jolene, we got some notes from Rick. Uh, he said he can see your <laughs> panty line in these. He's going to have to have you wear a thong for this scene. Just, he doesn't believe the Vulcans have uh, wore panties. In the, in uh, it's scene. not me. It's it's, it's the it's, censors. It's 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 standards and practices. They said no panty lines allowed. It's too suggestive. So I you just gotta you. take them off. Julian, I fought for you real hard. Um, yeah, I want you yeah. to know. I tried to get a full size shirt, but they said no. <laughs> yeah, that's it for uh, the crossing. It, they, none of them do look at. I don't. I mean, maybe I'm just I'm so entrenched saying, in. I'm not saying they should. Yeah, I'm not saying they should like come in and like ogle her. Archer runs and zoom. Like a cartoon wolf, his eyes just pop out. But it's just like it. It emphasizes how kind of inappropriate for the scene her attire is because nothing about that scene is like sexual from no, her standpoint. From her standpoint, no. Yeah, but she's. D- this is really starting to turn into me like she's dressed like she's asking for it. She's begging for it. Which is not what I'm saying. But it's like it's it's from a production standpoint, it's like what they put her in doesn't match the tone of the scene. Mm-hmm. So that's why I find it oddly disjointed as far as as uh, as when everybody else comes in. Yeah, when when they bust in, Archer busts in and she's like, Reed is not his own person. Archer should just be like, What are you wearing? <laughs> <laughs> turn this around on it. I um maybe I'm just too steeped in 
track at this point. I don't even view it as a, uh, I don't even view it in like the real world sense of it. I look at it and go, why do Vulcans wear pajamas like that? <laughs> like, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem right. I'm, I'm surprised she changed. I'm surprised that she lounges in comfort wear. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, that seems like a strange, and she's, she's done it before. I know why they're doing it in a real world yeah. sense, but it's, it, it just seems wrong for T'Pol to be that way. Yeah. It's like T'Pol, if she, this is what we've brought ourselves to is debating the the appropriateness of T'Pol. I, I, I imagine if you ever called T'Pol, she would be able to run out onto the bridge immediately. You know, I don't, yes. I don't see a yeah. change of uh, like, hold on a second. I gotta, I gotta put a bra and panties on and then I'll meet you up there. Yeah, she she like she. It seems like she would she would sleep in something with buttons, right. if not a zipper. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I think. Have we seen Archer in pajamas? He wear does he would just wear a t shirt and sweatpants? I've seen him. No in casual, shirt, baby. No shirts. I imagine Archer, if we ever saw him, would have the old timey uh, once on the rooftop of Christmas story with the guy with like hats and his buttoned up pajamas and stuff like that. But <laughs> I don't think we're going to see that. We're done. Thank you, patrons, for your comments. Again, patreon.com slash file if you want to support the show. Best way to do it and to leave comments. Clay, what are you going to give this one on our scale of one to five? Uh, I'm going to give it a three. I think it's I think it's pretty good. It's got a good start. Um, I think, yeah, I think the second half of it uses needs a little work. But, uh, yeah, overall, I think it's a pretty – as far as – you know, it's a tough one because, like, as far as original ideas go, it's not really that original. Like you said, it's basically just a body snatcher situation. But I do think that the potential and the, the first half of it is different enough and, and plays up that the best part of Enterprise, which is the mysteries of deep space element, which yeah. I don't think that they do as much as they should because, they, like you said, they are pretty good at that stuff. Um, it's almost the the show's held back. It can't go avant-garde enough. Like it has mm. to have that sort of traditional TV hour-long action or not action, but like the the structure of that. And... I always I walk away from a lot of Enterprise episodes going, it would have been great if they just never learned what the fuck was going on. You know, right. like it's like really early in deep space exploration and everything is just like, what the hell is like, yeah. what did that mean? And, and a lot of episodes just ending on Archer looking confused and then fade to black, you know. And it, I, However, the times that they do do that, let's say like in that last Time War episode that we watched, right. you don't come away finding it very satisfying. But I, because I think is that the trick just the is, time loop? Is that just because that's a serial story, though? Like, well, it's all, it, it just felt it was, if I remember correctly, it was one of those things where it's, uh, it's, yeah, where they're coming after the ship mm-hmm. and then the, everybody just kind of like backs off and disappears. And at the end, they're just sort of like, huh, well, I don't know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think the key is to be able to find a story that does have a satisfying, um, narrative inside that sense of of not knowing what's going on yeah that makes sense yes yeah i mean here it's just the you get there by not revealing the hijack plot of these aliens if it's just kind of a strange alien ship that you are encountering these wisp uh, things are making you live uh parallel universe lives and stuff like Mm. that there's, there's something there it's just the when it becomes so cut and dry about the end here is we break free and we shoot their ship and that's the end of it. I, I think it suffers yeah. a little bit. And I, I would like, yeah, I just, I, I think that enterprise has a lot of really great, maybe not great, but has a lot of solid concepts of what enterprise would be running into early in their travels through space. And always finding the answer is not really very satisfying. It feels like you could leave it in a place where the series afterwards would be filling in the blanks for what enterprise is figuring out. And mm-hmm. Maybe it wouldn't, maybe as you're saying, it wouldn't be satisfying all the time, but I think they could do it a lot uh, or, or more times than they do here. Yeah. And yeah certainly I mean, not with like the time the, episode. I think the the time war episode <laughs> suffers because it's still, it's it's like another episode with no idea, like what how you're going to further right. this plot is the, the main yeah. thing with that one. Yeah. You just have, all you have to do is make sure that what your characters, your characters get something out of it. You know, if you don't have to explain what happens, but if you can explain what your characters are drawing from the experience, then you're, that you're, you're good. Right. Yep. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Patreon.com slash the Penske file. If you want to support the show, otherwise all the shows are going to be continuing. Discovery's continuing. Enterprise is continuing. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Uh, we just, or tomorrow we will have a new, 
Badass. We're coming up on the end of season three of Badass. We have uh, Harley's Holiday and Lockup, which are two fun episodes. And last week on Rotten Horror Picture Show, we had Oculus, one of Mike Flanagan's early movies. Yep. And next week is our Christmas episode where we will be doing Black Christmas from 1974, which is uh, which is a fun one. And for our Patreon stuff this month, it's a Christmas movie, won the most votes. People wanted a random Christmas movie, so I went to Rotten Tomatoes' 62 greatest Christmas movies of all time, and I random.org'd a number. It came up with, I think, 30, which is Christmas in Connecticut, which I have never seen. I don't think I'd ever heard of it. Yeah. Uh, I I was thinking you kind of blew it. I wish you had picked it from a list of Hallmark Christmas movies. Oh, sure. I think that that would have been uh, an interesting watch. Did you see that Colonel Sanders ad thing that they're doing? I did. I think it's funny, but I it is like I, can, I it, it it has this ring of everybody's just giving them so much more advertising than they ever could have wanted by retweeting yes. it. It's like I know it's funny. It is a funny idea, but it's like you're playing right into their hands there, it, by it, disseminating this on a worldwide scale. I think it works just because it's um there's no sense that it's not a joke. You know, right. there, there's yeah. no, it's not like it's a viral campaign that you're like, what is this? I have to see what this is. It's like, sure. It's just the absurdity of Mario Lopez as Colonel Sanders. And, and, and have you seen the trailer? The trailer is absurd. It's like, I didn't, I haven't watched the trailer. The yet, trailer no. has lines with like, it's this preppy guy going like, I'll expose your secret chicken man. <laughs> Stuff like that. It's just really, really strange. And I, I agree that, that it's a borderline stupid but it's it works for the two minutes of twitter attention that i've paid to it i've i've noticed that there's a few brands who are doing stuff like that like i think hello fresh was running commercials where it was supposed to be like a spanish novella mm-hmm. a telenovela or something like that uh, it's an interesting way to approach it and uh i do think as far as advertising goes the the best idea kfc has had in a while is changing up who plays the colonel and yeah. going with very unlikely choices. I yeah. think that's a very smart and can, is very fun. When was the last time you had KFC? Oh, geez. Uh, I haven't had KFC in years, years, yeah. decades, <clears throat> but potentially. I would say I I don't think it's been less than 15 years. Yeah. I'm, prob- I'm probably the same, too, because it's just – well, I guess I know what I'm having for dinner tonight. Just to, yeah, I know. I've got a real, my stomach's uh, growling, actually. I'm just about ready for some KFC. Um, that's it. Thank you very much. Oh, so it's Christmas in Connecticut. And then uh, the other Patreon thing is Attack the Block, I think is that movie's called. Mm-hmm. It's from 2011 with uh, John Boyega as somebody in that movie. So we'll do that on Patreon. Uh, that's on the 150 he's actually playing. Uh, he's actually playing Abraham Lincoln in that movie, oddly enough. Oh, excellent. So we'll, yeah. we'll do that for Patreon. Uh, You can subscribe at patreon.com slash Lipinski Powell. All right, guys. Thank you very much for listening. We will see you next time.